It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report's radio network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats. Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Thursday edition of the Leach Report. I, I think I uh, can lead with the top story. It's not raining at the moment. That probably uh, from the way it looks on the, the weather boxes I saw on the news, that could change at any minute. Uh, it seems like in, infinitively, in, indefinitely. Uh, so we'll... Uh, Get through it, uh, this too, and uh, glad to have you on board with us today. Uh, Going to talk with Mike Pratt, as we do on Thursdays, Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and Kevin Richardson from the Backstreet Boys, uh, who lives out in Southern California. So we taped an interview with him last night uh, about his uh, passion for Kentucky football, and it is strong. So that's our guest lineup today. Wildcat News of the Day is a service of Cardinal Point Financial Group. That is a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services. Kentucky picked up a recruiting commitment for football yesterday. Jordan Lovett from North Harden High School. He is a young man who had 15 interceptions last season, most in the nation. Um, and that was in his first season playing on the defensive side, in the in the uh, secondary. Here's all you need to know. Our buddy Freddie Maggard tweeted out, this is a big one for Kentucky. Uh, a defensive back with good size, uh, over six feet tall, uh, obviously good instincts with the interceptions last season, and still very raw as a uh, defensive back. So nice pickup for Coach Stoops and company from a school that's uh, been a pretty strong pipeline of late uh, and over the history as well to the University of Kentucky. NCAA, an NCAA council yesterday voted to lift the moratorium on voluntary activities for football, men's basketball, and women's basketball so players uh, can come back to their schools and work out once the schools and conferences approve it. The SEC is going to take their vote tomorrow. So the NCAA has opened the door for conferences and schools to now make the decision. And uh, for the SEC, a lot of reports seem to indicate it will come down. Do you let them come back June 1st or maybe uh, a couple of weeks after that? Yesterday, Ohio State AD Gene Smith did a conference call with the media. He said he's uh, optimistic that you could have 20 to maybe even 40,000 fans at a game. Now, that would be less than half of capacity of Ohio State Stadium, but uh, still a significant number given where we've been having these discussions. He said he's not 100% comfortable yet that the as far as football being played and fans being there, but he's cautiously optimistic that he'll get to that 100% comfortability level. Uh, I saw a story from Dennis Dodd, college football writer for CBS Sports, and in his story about all of this, he mentioned the prospect. He mentioned, actually, this has been mentioned in a NCAA memo to member schools, the prospect of pool testing, which you heard about from uh, Dr. Dawson here with uh, Wild Health in Lexington, talk about on our show on Monday. Wild Health is the company that's working with 
Churchill Downs and uh, with Keeneland on their testing for their uh, physical plants. An NCAA D1 council has pushed back consideration of immediate eligibility for student-athletes until the 2021-22 academic year. So uh, that means that Olivier Saar will need to get eligible via a waiver and uh, not any kind of rule change. Links to the stories that we talk about each day can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're going to head to a break, come back, and Mike Pratt will join the program. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We're served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington, locations in Palomar and in Hamburg here in Lexington. So give them a call today, pick up breakfast for the family or for the office if you're heading back to work. Be a nice treat. It's the Leach Report Radio Network. We'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. 14 past the top of the hour. And back into The Leach Report for a Thursday. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt. I know you've been playing a little golf lately. How's the game looking? Well, I haven't because it's been rigged out, Tom. Last Thursday. Oh. <laughs> rained out yeah it was supposed to Bummer. be and we were rained out and uh i don't know i mean it's not going to rain it's taking its toll on me <laughs> yeah i'm trying to play uh tomorrow so uh we'll uh keep i'll keep my fingers crossed um, i think it looks like i, looked at, I think you're going to get some sunshine well, I hope you're right. Hope you hope uh, eyewitness weather from Mike Pratt is correct. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I'm willing it to. There you go. Uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the news that that happened. That the um, there's been this back and forth on the the transfer deal for a while. It looked like the momentum was trending toward it, it would happen, and then I think as as coaches thought more about it, they uh, I think probably pushed back on this, and so anyway. A, NCAA Council yesterday uh, decided that they're going to push this back to the next school year for consideration. Um, and um, I think coaches are, uh, sen- a sense, real uneasy about this, right? I think so. In, in what I read and when I listen to uh, some people I talk to, it seems like, and this makes a lot of sense, coaches, um, you know, they, they roster management is important. And the early signing date is a big deal now, Okay. So a large portion of these kids coming out of high school sign early, right? Some dragging on, but a large portion. So now you've got uh, all, all your people signed, and maybe the people you want are off the board, and all of a sudden you've got a guy leave. All of a sudden Johnny Juzang leaves. Now they weren't counting on Johnny leave, okay? So I just think I, I've been for all alone, and I think you and I have talked about it. If the coach gets fired um, or leaves, then these players – should be given a, uh, a period of time to make a decision uh, whether they come or go um, or they stay or go. And, and I think that's the, I don't think the other way is going to work. Sounds good and everything else, but it's going to be difficult to pull off with, with some success. But I do think, uh, and I've said all along, you you got a coaching change. Uh, for whatever the reason, these young fellas should be allowed to make a decision. That's, uh, I'm sticking to that one. And to me, and I'm guessing you would agree with this, the the smartest thing in the world to do from the NCAA standpoint is just to then say, let's just do that. Let's strike that compromise right now 
everybody, I think, can almost, you'd probably have 80 to 90% approval on that to say you can be immediately eligible if your head coach uh, leaves for any reason. Uh, and uh, and then, because it's the new coach coming in, number one, it's you're, you're new, so you've got some, some goodwill, and you, you expect roster turnover when you come in, and so you can uh, you know you can live with that, and uh, then that way uh, you can you know discuss the uh, the other par- uh, part of it uh, and take a little more time to discuss it. This seems would seem to be an easy. Wouldn't it be a great PR move for them? Oh, I, you know they kind of let that happen anyway. They uh, guys have had family members who are sick or a grandmother that had raised a guy wants to be closer to him. They they ultimately grant them. Um, immediate eligibility. But if they come out and make a statement, look, this is what we're going to live with till the year 2023 when we reconvene or wherever they are backing it up to. But right now, this is this is what we're going to live with. And it's it's the only fair thing to do. And I think the NCAA is just is uh, in, in college sports are doing themselves a disfavor in the public's eye by not just coming out and saying that because it makes so daggone much sense. And you know, as we're having this discussion, hopefully some people at, at that level are too. And if they are, Olivier Saar could end up being one of the the first examples of this, where the NCAA, you know, in, internally says, "Let's just start doing this, and uh, but we'll we'll get it approved here shortly. But let's just, you know, let let these guys uh, transfer if uh, they have you know circumstance with a, a coach leaving." So. Um, we'll see because with SARS case, you've got not only the, the coach getting fired, but the fact that, uh, the coach that got fired, uh, was talked basically talked Olivier out of, uh, going to the NBA draft. And then that coach gets fired right about the time the deadline for putting your name into the draft comes. So SARS got a, a, a little bit of an extenuating circumstance there. And if he gets approved, that might be a sign that uh, the NCAA is kind of willing to move in that direction with, uh, you know, being able to let kids transfer when their coach leaves. Well, in SARS case, I think um, one, the good news is that I think Danny Manning, the former coach will come out in um, defense of the young fellow and tell the story you just talked about. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, The bad news for Kentucky is that he might be the, Biggest name on the uh, on the block in this situation because there weren't a lot of coaching changes. Okay, yeah, and uh, that that in and of itself will probably uh, get the NCAA to drag their feet a little bit until maybe the coaches association takes over, as you were talking about. But when coaches get fired and another coach takes a job, what happens many times is uh, the coach that takes a new job might bring some rec- recruits with him. Um, and we saw that happen uh, when Cal came to Kentucky, but it's happened with a lot of people. They uh, uh, kids decide they're going to go to a school because the coaches. I mean, you don't you want them to think, well, boy, I could get a great education here. That's not how these kids think. Uh, it's not. I mean, some of them think that way, but a large portion of them think, look, I like this coach. I like these assistants. You've heard them talk about uh, coaches keep keeping it real, uh, talking with them. Uh, in, in in a real form about what's ahead of them and how, how hard they'll work. And, uh, these guys get hooked on coaches. Uh, they really Absolutely. do. And uh, I can remember back in the day, a guy named Frank Truitt started recruiting me at Ohio State while he was recruiting Bill Hoskett. And uh, I, I just love Frank Truitt. 
he, he came by my house when I was a sophomore and came by the school. But he leaves uh, Ohio State to coach LSU for a year and then goes to Kent State. You know, I wasn't going to go to those two, but I, I might have gone to Ohio State because I had this thing. He and I clicked, and my parents and he clicked. And, uh, you know, I might have gone to Ohio State if he stayed there, but he, but he didn't. So I understand how these uh, young fellows associate themselves with certain situations. Uh, so that's not going to change. Talking with Mike Pratt, it's at Mike Pratt twenty two on Twitter, and uh, you his weekly visits to our show are presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. You check them out at boonesbutchershop dot com. Um, the uh, Last Dance documentary came to an end on Sunday. All ten episodes. Uh, I'm guessing you you got to watch some or all of it. What were your thoughts on uh, what you saw? I, I watched some of it, but uh, remember, I was working in the NBA at one capacity or the other during that time. At um, had been working in even you know when Michael Michael broke in and um, living in North Carolina, um, I, I think boy it couldn't have been a better time for him and his his business uh, to uh, have this on with nothing in competition. But um, guys that uh, compete at that level and are that good and that competitive, uh, they're not always perfect. And I think what uh, what we've seen. Uh, about Michael is, is that he had some issues with some things, and uh, but it was good for his team, and he uh, he could walk the talk, and uh, I, yeah, I watched a little bit of it, but so much of it, I, I remember we were an expansion team, and of course Rex was with us, and we had no chance to beat them, and for for about a quarter, a quarter and a half, man, those guys would come out and just give it to you, either the first quarter or the second quarter, and put you away, maybe even the third quarter and it was over at that point in time and they they could talk michael jordan could talk some junk rodman <laughs> mumbled some junk and uh it was uh it was it was just it was a special basketball team and you know he is what he is i saw i think it was channing fry said made some comment tried to make the case that well jordan was just a scorer that's uh you know he he didn't <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't ask to do other things and uh, i saw where rex tweeted out something i think it was this week where uh jordan was uh uh, Doug Collins had him play point guard for a short stretch at one time, and he had like ten triple doubles in in the span of two or three weeks. So, uh, Chaining Fry, uh, you you want to just pat him on the head and say, "Bless your heart." Go watch some tape. <laughs> yeah. You know, I watched Jordan between his junior and senior year at Five Star Basketball Camp, and um, he was playing up there at that camp. And of course, he was going to Carolina. Eddie Fogler had hit me on that one um and i watched him grow up through college and in the pros and he is he is just spectacular and to think he i don't think there's anything out there on the floor that he couldn't do if he put his mind to it and i, and I think if you watch game clips of him and i did a lot of scouting so i saw him firsthand many times outside of uh, the team i was working with so i mean the guy was uh, you just can't describe until people saw him in certain situations, certain games, you just can't describe him. No one, I mean, he just took, it was like somebody put a, a cape over the floor or a tarp over the floor, and all of a sudden he's the only one out there playing. I mean, he was he was just amazing. Mike Pratt, thank you much for the time. Have a good weekend. Win some money at the Downs. Okay, <laughs> yes, sir.
Talk to you later. Mike Pratt joins us on Thursdays here on the Leach Report. Uh, racing resumes today out at uh, Churchill Downs. They are on the Thursday through Sunday schedule now for the rain- remainder of their meet. Other than uh, Monday, Memorial Day, they actually are going to run Monday as well. Heading to a break. Justin Rowland next up on the Leach Report. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. It's the Leach Report Radio Network, and we go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Justin Rowland from CatsIllustrated.com. Another Kentucky football recruiting commitment to start with, Justin. Uh, Jordan Lovett, DB, from North Harden High School. Uh, Give me your uh, take on his game. Yeah, he's a really intriguing kid. He's somewhat new to football. The first year he played, he was at receiver, and then he played safety, defensive back for the first time in 2019, and it was quite a debut. He led the entire country with 15 interceptions. You don't normally talk about like national high school leaders, but 15 interceptions at the high school level is just absurd. And, uh, you know, he's 6'2", 190 pounds, runs a four five forty, so he's got the measurements, he's got the length. He's got everything you want at the safety position, and I'm told he was at the very top of their board, and and they feel so good about him, they might not even take another safety. But uh, Vince Morrow has done a great job recruiting North Harden High School recently. Yeah, I saw a tweet from you where uh, before Vince kind of came on the scene there that these guys they've landed from North Harden uh, recently, including one who's already in the program, uh, were far from locks for U.K., yeah, they've got three guys in the last two classes, Octavius Oxendine, the big four-star defensive tackle from the last class. I thought he was going to Tennessee for a long time, uh, and, and Kentucky got him. And then more recently, they got running back Lavelle Wright, who looked like he was bound for either West Virginia or somewhere else, and, and Kentucky put the clamps on him and Jordan Lovett. Some people thought he might have been going to Missouri. So um, it, it's a great school to have in your corner. We talk about Fred, Frederick Douglass, the talent that they're putting out in Lexington, um, North Harden is putting out a lot of talent, too. I had one person tell me Kentucky's kind of hoping that's the new Glenville, um, you know, which is, you know, relative to Ohio State and plays Kentucky recruits up in Ohio a lot. Any Anytime you have a talent factory in your backyard, it's really important to, to have a great presence there. Yeah, it certainly is a, a good run for Kentucky high school football talent at the moment. Uh, we are halfway home on this Thursday edition of the Leach Report. Uh, coming up, it's the bottom of the hour break, then another segment with Justin Rowland. Kevin Richardson from the Backstreet Boys talking a little UK football fandom in the second half as well. We'll be right back. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Whatever happened to predictability? A couple of news items uh, coming out. One... Uh, Aunt Becky has cut a deal. Actress Lori Loughlin has agreed to a uh, to plead guilty to several charges for her role in the college admissions scandal. And a press release from the Department of Justice uh, indicates that she's going to serve two months in prison and pay a $150,000 fine. And the other piece of news, uh, ESPN has uh, a director of sports business at Washington University in St. Louis uh, that has done an analysis on the financial implications if if the football season's not played. As we're chatting with Justin Rowland from Cats Illustrated, and um, 
this gentleman, Dr. Patrick Reich, uh, estimates that the cumulative losses would be in the neighborhood of four billion dollars for the Power Five schools. Um, each school would see an average loss of sixty-two million in football revenue, including uh, almost nineteen million in football ticket sales collectively. So, those are some scary numbers. Yeah, the Oregon State Athletics Director, Scott Barnes, is quoted in that story as saying that from 75 to 80 percent of all athletic departments' revenue come from, come from football. So, you, obviously, there's a tension between, you know, looking after the health and safety and, and well-being and taking every precaution for every athlete and just the general viability and continued existence of these departments themselves and just this sense that, you know, a lot of programs, a lot of places would absolutely never recover from this, and it would just never be the same, just massive downsizing, scaling down operations, shaving staff, a, a lot of places, especially group of five non-power conference schools that are more reliant on ticket sales and kind of these in-person experiences. And, and it's a tension that everybody's grappling with. There are uh, some of those non-power fives that uh, are already, you're seeing kind of here and there, uh, one sport at uh, at a school, but I think it was like baseball at Bowling Green, maybe men's soccer at Cincinnati. Uh, so you're already seeing some places cut back on sports. That's right. Yeah, and I, I mean, there, there's going to be you know cost. However, they do this. Just I mean, if they have 20 percent of the people allowed to get tickets, you know, whatever the plan is, you're talking about that. That's a massive you know, off the top from whatever game day spending. They talked about that in the story. The average is $4.7 million in game day spending um, with food and, and everything um, if they didn't have a season. So, you know, it, but it certainly seems like in the last few days the momentum has been moving towards they're going to have a season. It's just, just a question of how they're going to do it. Uh, at Cats Illustrated, you guys have been able to do some interviews with returning players, and uh, one of them, uh, Boogie Watson, and I think it was in a tweet I saw you describe the upcoming season for him as the equivalent of a contract year. I like that description. Yeah, yeah. You know, Kentucky has five or six guys that I think have a chance to get drafted. And it could be like the, the, the draft two years ago when they had all the defensive backs and Josh Allen. You know, you think about Quentin Bohanna and – and Boogie Watson and maybe Brandon Eccles and, you know, I think Kelvin Joseph, the incoming transfer, could be eligible if he wants to leave. And, um, you know, Drake Jackson, Landon Young, and Darian Kennard, you know, rising junior offensive tackle, told me basically, you know, he, he, he's probably going to be gone after this season, even though he's not going to be a junior. But Watson is certainly one of those, you know, one of the top returning pass rushers in the SEC. Yeah, I mean, that only heightens the uh... – Desire for the for I'm sure the Kentucky football coaches and uh, as well as the fans to have a season this year because uh, some guys fans may not realize some guys that, that uh, will would be key parts of this upcoming season might not be back for that next year that you would expect. Yeah, yeah. Just imagine the logjam that that would create. It would be the most talented draft class in the history of football if you had you know just the normal guys leaving and also guys who, who are leaving because there, there hadn't been a season and they were then eligible because they've been three years out of high school. But, but yeah, you know, these guys are all anxious to play too. You know, they're, they're watching it closely and the news yesterday, the NCAA is going to not stand in the way if, if, if schools and conferences want to let guys return to train for, for June 1st, you know, so, so we should know Friday, it seems like, what the SEC is going to do. 
Quentin Bohan is another guy you guys talked to, and he's uh, very fired up about this upcoming season. He is. He is. He's uh, he's in Kentucky, and you know he he just overachieved from the start when he got to Kentucky. He won the defense starting nose position uh, when uh, a couple of older guys are there as a freshman, and he's held it down and. You know, he's, uh, they have just incredible depth up the middle now with him and Marquand McCall, and they were able to move Jerquavion Mahone around. And, you know, they've, uh, they've, they've really got some depth up the middle. And he's, uh, he said that he gave some thought to leaving after this last season, but not a lot of interior linemen um, go into the draft early. And so he, know, he knew he needed to physically mature and get to make your whole lifestyle about your profession. If you're going to be if you're going to be a pro football player, and he knew he needed to, to work on some things in that regard. Uh, just uh, last question, thirty seconds left. Next big score on the recruiting front? Any name that's at the top of the list? Uh, they're really hopeful that tight end Jordan Dingle, um, four star in state guy, might make a decision soon. Obviously, four star offensive lineman Jager Burton from Frederick Douglass uh, recently announced he's going to be an early enrollee, and they're trying to get him on board too to try to try to help him you know get the staff to to put the class together and and i think they're gonna they're gonna get both of those guys but we'll see when justin roland thank you much thanks a lot at roland rivals on twitter catsillustrated.com on the web we'll get to a break and come back with kevin richardson of the backstreet boys This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Oh my God, we're back again. Welcome back into the show, and joining us on the KentuckyHempworks.com hotline is Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys and a huge Kentucky football fan. So I know that you are, I'm sure, happy with any news that leads us in the direction where we think there's going to be college football this fall for the Wildcats, right? Oh, that's absolutely what I'm. What I'm kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. You know, uh, big big UK football fan, big SEC fan, uh, and yeah, I'm I'm waiting with bated breath to see what's going to happen this season. If we're going to get games, and if we're going to, if we do get games, are they going to have people in the stands, or are we just going to be watching at home, or what yeah, are we do? it. Uh... Looks like I, 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 we, it's pretty far out to to know for sure, but I did see a quote from the Ohio State athletics director uh, yesterday where he thought that it's feasible they might have twenty to thirty thousand fans that could get into Ohio State Stadium. So, you know, there's a time it looked like you know there might not be football and there's no way there'd be fans, and now there's some talk that uh, maybe it could happen. So we'll keep our fingers crossed. It would be great if there's a, a little bit of. Uh, a little bit closer to what the normal college football experience is like. Well, I, I know for uh, the big football population around the world that uh, if football did not happen this year, you'd have a lot of uh, yeah. folks that would be down in the dumps uh, more than they, even more so than they are now. I mean, I look forward to football every year, and I know a lot of folks out there do. So, yeah, and it'd be interesting, you know, to think about it as I know the. Uh, Los Angeles just announced that uh, they're opening back up their, you know, they've got, I think, 18 different professional organizations mm-hmm. out here uh, talking about opening up uh, their seasons. But it would just be, I just can't, it's hard to picture it without anyone in the stands. And I know from playing, 
uh, you know, limited until I was 18 years old. I played football all my life until I was 18. I graduated, so playing with no one there, it would, yeah, it'd be like a scrimmage almost. I don't, I, I know that the competitive instincts would kick in, and of course you want to win, but it would just be a weird situation. So hopefully they can figure out a way to get some folks in there, spread them out, uh, so that the the players feel that energy. Estill County High School Engineers, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. Tell me a little bit about how you came to be such a big Kentucky football fan in particular. Well, I mean, just, you know, growing up in Kentucky, uh, I, I was always proud of our basketball tradition and, and always followed that. But I, I stopped. I played all three sports until um, I got into junior high and high school, and then I focused solely on football. And so I just, that's what I know. And I know it more, uh, and so I'm drawn to it more, and I'm passionate about it more. And so, uh, and being a, a you know uh, from Kentucky, uh, the SEC, the toughest conference in in the in the nation, it's been a hard road to hoe. But you know, when I first went to my first football games, that was when Fran Kersey was a coach back in the '70s, and my grandpa, my papa, had season tickets, and and he would. He only had four seats, so and he had five grandsons, so he would rotate the grandsons, and we all get to see a game or two each season. And and those Frank Kersey days were some pretty good days, and uh, for to be a Kentucky football fan. And then, uh, of course, throughout the years, we've had our ups and downs. But uh, I'm I'm real happy for Mark Stoops. Um, I think he's getting ready to. He could this year pass the all-time. Uh, Winning record at Kentucky could pass uh, Bear Bryant. I was just reading that on the web, so I'm happy for him. I love the job that he's doing, and uh, and he's a good man. In '73, when the new stadium opened, my dad bought season tickets for the first time for him and I. So I I'm, was right there with you in terms of uh, loving those uh, Coach Kersey teams in the '70s. Uh, do you do you have a favorite uh, memory? One of those games you got to go to? Uh, well, probably. My most so I remember going to the airport. I believe it was seventy seventy six or seventy seven. Well, they won the Peach Bowl in seventy six. Then they're in Atlanta. Peach Bowl in seventy six. I went to the Bluegrass Airport um, with my papa, and we saw the cats come in, and I got cool. Fran Kersey's autograph. I got Felix <laughs> Wilson's autograph. Um, but probably my most favorite memory. Uh, recently would be us beating Florida down in the swamp, and then also when we knocked off number one LSU back in the Rich Brooks days with uh, Andre Woodson and those guys. Uh, I think I saw an interview. My mom was visiting me in Los Angeles, and we were we about tore the house down. She's <laughs> talking about a fan and a vocal fan. I mean, when I was playing football in high school, and and the folks in Estill County can attest to this. Me and my brother both, you could hear her all the way across the field screaming for us. But when, when the Cats knocked off number one LSU and she was out visiting me in California, we almost tore the house down. That's a cool story. Nothing like moms. <laughs> yeah. Talk with Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys about his uh, U.K. football fandom. I saw an interview with you where uh, your uh, father was part of the construction crew on what was then known as Commonwealth Stadium, right? Yeah, my dad was uh, an iron worker. 
uh, and he built the uh, the two dorms, uh, the two tall dorms. Oh, Kerwin? Built, yep. Kerwin uh, uh, Tower. Yeah. Um, and then he also built the, uh, the, the big blue glass building downtown like oh wow as well and do you remember do you remember when uh they had a movie steel steel yep yeah my father worked on that one which is the the other building they were building that other building that i believe the outside of it has concrete on it mm-hmm. but at the time that was the tallest building in lexington until the the big blue uh, glass building went up. But, yeah, my father worked. Uh, he put the steel up in Commonwealth Stadium. Favorite Kentucky uh, football or basketball player over the time you've been following the Cats? Any any one person stand out? Oh, wow. I mean, there's there's quite a few. Derek Ramsey, uh, Mark Higgs, George Adams. I mean, Those are good ones. Yep, and, you know, uh, Recently, you know, Benny and uh, Lim Bowden, and th- those are the ones that stick out recently. Um, Andre Woodson was a was a great quarterback for us. Uh, certainly uh, underrated, in, in my opinion, as far as uh, SEC quarterbacks at the time. Uh, what did he go? How many passes consistently without throwing an interception? I think the number is three hundred and twenty-five. If yeah. memory serves. Um, and I got to I got to see him. I was in Kansas City a few years back uh, watching a Chiefs game. I'm a big Chiefs fan too. Oh, good I, I year for you. In, yeah, I married into the the Chiefs. Uh, my wife's from Kansas City, and she grew up going to games in the '70s, like I grew up going to Kentucky football games in the '70s, and. Uh, uh, so we we had a great year last year, but I was in Kansas City g- going to a Chiefs game a couple uh, Thanksgivings ago, and I ran into Andre Woodson at a barbecue restaurant. Small world. And we took a photo and sent it to uh, to Slacks uh, at UK Media. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. But yeah, man, I'm I'm excited uh, for for this year. I, I know our, our D line is stacked. Um, our DBs looked good last year. We got Terry coming back. We looked like we were going to be rolling with the passing game last year until he got knocked out. But then Lynn Bowden came in, and the coaches did a great job of switching things around. Then we put the whooping on Virginia Tech. I love that. So, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited, and I hope I hope the boys get to play this year. And uh, I'm going to be rooting for them always. Well, that's a good spot to close it out on. Thank you for doing this. Hey, not a problem, and. Uh, we're looking forward, uh, uh, my group, uh, we were looking forward to playing. We were, we were supposed to play Rupp Arena July the 27th, but uh, like most concerts and tours right now, uh, we're postponing things. But uh, we're going to have an official announcement next week. I'm going to give you a, a little scoop. Uh, we're actually going to, instead of playing July 27th, 2020, we're going to be playing September Wednesday, September the 8th, 2021 at Rupp Arena. So we're moving our tour uh, back a year. Well, there's got to be a football game on either the front end or the back end or oh, both yeah, of I've that got, trip. <laughs> yeah, I've got a couple of days off uh, before and after, so I'm going to try to catch me a, a football game then. So Wonderful. That's great. We'll look forward to seeing you. Thanks uh, uh, for doing this and for the, uh, for the info on the tour. You're welcome, and I appreciate you having me. I love listening to you, and thank you for all you do for Big Blue Nation.
Kevin Richardson of the Backstreet Boys here on the Leach Report. As we head to a break, let me tell you about Shuffle Bean Coffee. The first thing you're going to notice about Shuffle Bean is the aroma and then the taste. Bold and strong is how they describe it. It starts with where they plant the beans for this cup of coffee in Costa Rica. Rich volcanic soil. Beans come from Rainforest Alliance certified farms, so you're not doing anything negative to the environment. It's all part of the quality control process that goes into that cup of Shuffle Bean coffee. Go to shufflebean.us. You can read more about them. It's a Kentucky-based company. You can order some Shuffle Bean coffee or pick it up at Kroger or wherever you shop. If you don't see it, ask for it. Order through Amazon Prime, too. A Kentucky-based company that is all about quality. That is Shuffle Bean Coffee. We'll be right back on The Leach Report, Radio Network. Guests on our show come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. They are based in Christian County, which has been a great source of athletes for the University of Kentucky over the years. And now it is a home base for a great Kentucky family-run operation. It's locally grown hemp that is processed locally as well into their various products, hemp seed oil, CBD oil, uh, a couple of new products for fishermen that could help you catch more fish. Uh, you can find out all about it at KentuckyHempWorks.com. But they like to say they're more than just CBD. So go to their YouTube channel, type in Hemp Homeschool, and you can see some videos about their operation, all the different products, and what the hemp industry might mean for family farms in our state. This day in U.K. history, Josh Allen celebrating a birthday, and Jamal McGlure celebrating a birthday today. CBS Sports had their college football analysts rank the 65 uh, coaches in among Power 5 programs. Mark Stoops makes the top 25 for the first time uh, that they've been doing this. He comes in at number 22 on the list, up from 39 in 2019. One of the biggest movers on the list is the Kentucky coach. Uh, one of his future players, Chauncey Magwood, wide receiver, has uh, tweeted that he's going to enroll in December. To be able to go through spring practice next season. See you tomorrow on the Leach Thanks Report. Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at tomleachky.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com. See you next time. Right